Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Truth About Trucking, live, hosted by Alan Smith, a 30-year OTR veteran, business entrepreneur, and motor carrier transportation consultant, specializing in assisting students and new drivers, and pushing forward to raise the standards of the trucking industry. And now, live from beautiful Citrus County, Florida, here's your host, Alan Smith. Welcome, everyone. Truth about trucking live. It is Sunday, February twenty second, two thousand nine. I'm Alan Smith, being joined today by the lovely Donna Smith. And and hey, Donna, I got you back on Truth About Trucking Live again, didn't I? I'm here. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're here. And this is the first of many upcoming shows scheduled that will be focusing on various topics of interest and controversy. And if you would like to call and be a part of the show, you can do so at 347-826-9170. And with us today is a lady who is becoming quite popular among the trucking circles due to her outspokenness and just simply getting involved in areas of the transportation industry and stepping up and speaking out against uh, the abuses that she has seen while out on the road as a professional truck driver as well as giving everyone her thoughts and opinions on the political side of trucking. And she has many people following her from her web post and various social networking sites that I'll let her tell us about. But Trucker Desiree is with us this evening, our special guest on Truth About Trucking Live, and I'm really honored to have you on the show this evening, Desiree. How are you? Fine. Can you hear me? Uh, I can hear you fine. I can hear you, Desiree. All right. No, I'm just, I'm fine. I'm um, in my truck, and I just arrived in Texas this afternoon for some home time, so I'm pretty happy right now. Well, I'm I'm, I'm glad we finally were able to catch up with you. That's um, sometimes hard to do when you're out on the road, and and um, what I'm wanting to do is for the first uh, 45 minutes or so. I want to touch on the fact there's um, there's about 8 million CDL holders in the United States and three and a quarter million active drivers, and only about 5 to 6% are women. And uh, I'd like to hear about your experiences that you've had to uh, overcome and uh, things you've gone through, your struggles as a female starting out in trucking. And, and for the remainder of the show, we'll focus on what I know is a big passion of yours and and that is the green movement within our country and also your take on the political side of transportation. But but first, uh, anything you'd like to add as a bio that I missed in my little introduction of you? Um, that, sounds, that sounds about right, except the, the one thing is that everybody always quotes this industry-wide 6% of women in, in trucking, and I disagree with because my company shows they've got like 15 to 20 percent. And when I go out driving, especially in the last couple months, I've seen some nights women, the whole entire field day is women, inside of the um, warehouses, 
making the forklift is all women. So I really think that um, statistics need to be um, recalculated. There's a growing number of them coming in right now. Now, there's there's a lot of women in the trucking industry, but I'm specifically talking about drivers. Yeah, drivers, and, uh, they're starting to be quite a lot. And, and um, I'm just seeing it growing greatly, and especially this year from when I first came in. So uh, I'm going to take my Yeah, I think, uh, I, I think there is, you know, seeing a little bit, but I think uh, as far as drivers are concerned, uh, women drivers are still hanging in there around the five, anywhere the five to seven percent. But I mean, there's one out of every 15 people are employed in one way or the other in the trucking industry. Uh, mm-hmm. But as far but as, as far as drivers, that's specifically what uh, what I'm looking mm-hmm. at. But but how, how long have you been driving now? Um, I I came to my company in December of 2007. I started at my CDL school, I believe, in October of 2007. Oh, okay. So, so you, you've been out, you've been out there a little bit then. And, yeah, I just got my what? first year. I just got my first year completed with this company, and I got my one-year circle of safety um, sticker and a jacket. So I was really excited to have that after this experience. <laughs> Yeah, that's cool. So you're you're running uh, all 48 states, right? Well, now I was when I was running teams, but now that I've gone on a dedicated, um, I had to agree that I wasn't going to go past I-35 um, in order to get the route. And so I said, yeah, I'll just stay in Texas. I, I I formerly lived in Dallas, and I have lots of friends up here. So I said, okay, I'll I'll do that to have this dedicated route, which is really a nice one. Oh, okay. So you've got a dedicated route, so that's always sweet. So, mm-hmm. well, well, that's per- that's perfect because you uh, you've recently gone through the experience and everything, and I want to um, I want to read back to you a quote you made a while back to me and and have you elaborate on it. And uh, I'm going to paraphrase it a little bit, but but basically said when you started out, you know, you were excited about learning. And um, you you know really enjoyed trucking and and I know you still do, but but what you said was you found yourself caught in a system that was designed for you to fail, and uh, what did you mean by that? How so? Just the sheer volume that the recruitment of people, potential students being brought into this system, it, it it's it's. I, I've seen a lot of similarities in the mortgage, uh, you know, just bringing people hand over fist that can either qualify for a loan, a student loan, who's going to pay the money. Um, there's so many programs that they recruit people like crazy who are absolutely have no business being behind the wheel of a truck. So this whole school... You know, you got the recruiter who, you know, if you can get the loan, they're going to get you in the school and they're going to get you behind the wheel of a truck because everybody's getting permission. And so my success is not important because there's another hundred people coming every week, every week, just to one company. 
And I don't know I don't know how many big truck training schools there are. I think there's maybe I don't know ten or something five. I don't know the exact number. But when you're talking about that many students every week coming in, you get lost in the system. They just don't care. It's like um, you know going to a sale the day after Thanksgiving. You just you're not going to get the sort of service that you need or the, the attention that you need. And so that's kind of what happened is a, you get lost in the crap. Now the economy crashed mm-hmm. and something interesting happened. It put the skids on student loans and a couple companies said, oh, we're, we're closing our training school. And that's, that's, that kind of proved my point to me because all of this sudden, what, a year ago they were saying there was 80,000 driver shortage. I was reading an article this morning in the American Trucking Association that they were saying in 2005, they were saying 111,000 driver shortage. And then this last month they said, oh, now there's only an 11,000 driver shortage. There's not a driver shortage. <laughs> well, that's what Alan um <laughs> you know, has been saying for three years that that's just a myth. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm, I, I've been saying that for thirty years. <laughs> but, yeah. But, uh, I mean, there there is no driver shortage. It's just created by the trucking company. So, but anyway, go ahead, Desiree. I know. Uh, well, you, when that you've, uh, you posted so, and talked about a lot of that. Yeah, and when uh, that when an article came out. I think it was maybe a month ago that Schneider was closing its training school. The article said Schneider is closing its training school, which they were kind of known as the best training school, and they were only going to have their experienced drivers. And it was kind of like, okay, the economy crashed, the bank seized up, can't get a government loan as easy as you could a, a couple months ago. Um, that made sense to me. All of a sudden, that cash cow of student. And now there are a lot of displaced people, and there are a lot of people looking for a new job. But the right. money is not as readily available as it was last year. And all of a sudden, people are like, oh, "We're out of the training business." So I was like, "Wow, what a slap in the face!" Mm-hmm. Uh, the way that that went down. And um, the article that I read was in Landline magazine that said, um, and it addressed the driver shortage. It said, you know, there's they they finally kind of admitted that yeah, we don't have a problem. We're we got plenty of experience here. We're going to stick with that. And to me, it was kind of like saying, you know what? We don't know what's going to happen on this bumpy road ahead. We're going to feed the mouths that we already have and stop playing games. Right. And that. That meant that meant a lot to me. And when I talked to Oida later on, they said that J.B. Hunt was also shutting down its training. So yeah, there, um, there are several several of them are doing it. So. Mm-hmm. And the time was the timing of it was was just it was it, it made perfect sense, you know. And that's the system that I meant that I was meant for failure because when you've got that volume of dollar signs coming in, and people will say, well, it costs a lot to train students. But I'm also 
a woman and a minority, mm-hmm. and I am a walking dollar sign because there's so many government subsidies and tax credits available to retrain displaced workers. So I am a dollar sign for a period of time, and then I'm not valuable to them anymore. And my value ran out before I had enough experience to go to a company that takes experienced drivers. So you get caught in the middle of this thing, and especially if you're in a team situation like I got into, yeah, My we'll choice about is, that. We'll get into that. I just want to mention to the um, listeners out there, if you haven't read um, Desiree's story, it's a continuous journal, and uh, people do post and um, answer to it. It's on our okay. Ask you may, Trust. You may have, you, Donna, you may have to speak up a little bit. Oh, okay. Um, if you haven't, if you haven't uh, read her story, it's on our Ask the Trucker blog. And it's uh, labeled A Day in the Life of a Lady Trucker. And you can get Desiree's entire story on there. Um, If you just go on the blog, there's a search bar on the top, and you can just type in Lady Trucker, and it will take you right to her journal on the blog. Um, It's quite lengthy. You know, get a cup of coffee and... And just uh, sit. It's it's quite a story. So, um, but we're going to touch on a little bit uh, today. Um, and, and you know, Desiree, I just wanted to ask you now: when you started going to your school to your training, you hadn't uh, received Alan's book yet. Am I right? No. Um, I had gone on the internet when my girlfriend said that she, you know, when I was going to do the thing. We found out right away, um, sort of, I went to a couple um, websites to find out about the actual CDL school that I was thinking about going to, and we had some reservations, and we knew that the recruiter was kind of blowing smoke up us, you know, and we she was like, do you want to do this? And I said, I really do, and she said, then do it, because I know that you'll be successful. So I didn't really listen to him when he said, you're going to make 50000 your first year. I just, whatever. I was like, am I going to drive a truck? That's all I want to know because I'll bring my best game. You just tell me, is this really going to happen or are you going to rob me? Don't tell me all of the other baloney. And so I, I was really checking into the CDL school more, and I did try to look for things about stories with women. But it wasn't until the other guys in my CDL school started talking about going to Iraq. You know, they were offering to take us with no experience whatsoever to go drive trucks in Iraq. So all the guys were wanting to do that. And that's how I found Alan's book. And I really found it to share with the guys to tell them don't go there. Look at these articles, look at what it says, take this into consideration. But I didn't really see the relevance of of Alan to me because I didn't know if he, how a man that had been in a trucker that long, if a girl said, hey, I'm, I'm Sally whatever and I'm going to be a trucker, I didn't know if he'd be like, yeah, whatever. 
<laughs> so uh, I kept the website and um, the articles that I did get. And when it's when this story started unraveling in my life, I signed up for the newsletter. And you guys were writing me and giving me free information. I was like, I felt like sometimes I should write and say, I didn't buy the book yet. Are you sure you want to help me? <laughs> I felt guilty. <laughs> because you guys were giving me all this information. I hadn't even bought the book yet. Uh, but it was helping me a lot. So when I finally did get it, I saw how much trouble I would not have gone through if I would have gotten it earlier. And it did apply to me. Because the business, the corporate structure is a bit of a game with, you know, they play game, they play mental games on you, and you have to know the mental games to be successful. Right. And, and, and that's what you kind of got to be prepared for, um, the, the little mental games that they're trying to play on you. Right, and that, that's what I try to get across so much because I, I, I receive so many so many emails and phone calls that I'm really way behind now. In fact, I got an email today from someone, you haven't answered my email yet. Well, it's like we're 89 in line, you know, but mm-hmm. but it – and that, that was really the whole purpose of it because, I mean, especially OTR, it is such a game, and it's not all the companies. There are good companies out there, but the – Many of the trainer companies, which you can count on both hands, like you said, uh, you know, you just have to know this stuff to, to, you know, when you're going into it, to know the games and know the scams and everything. And and uh, I hear so many stories like yours that just, you know, that just kind of just gets me just all fired up because I just hate it when people have to go through things like that. And and um, I've done I've done a few postings about some of this behavior that some women have experienced and I. And like I said, I, I, I actually started getting emails because I've been in it for 30 years, and maybe I just you – know, and I never really saw it, but, you know, I didn't participate in it, obviously, and maybe I was in my own little world. But I started getting emails from women all over telling me some pretty horrific stories, and uh, I've had some just really begging me to get the story out there. And uh, we, we had another lady that was – supposed to be on the show tonight but she's trucking so wasn't able to make it but but so um i mean are, are women in your view are women just being quiet about these things that that you've experienced and even even though one incident is one too many how, how big is the problem and and should women be worried about starting a career in trucking because i know that there are a lot of women out there who who love it and are mm-hmm. are you know making a good living at it and wouldn't do anything else Mm-hmm. I love it, and um, I think that women are great in trucking because they really, a lot of women have had multiple, and I want to say this too, I was driving through Indianapolis the other day and I heard this commercial, it was a job headhunter job placement, and they were like, hire the right person for your job, and it was like a, supposed to be a lady going, I want to be a truck driver. And the guy goes, what's your qualifications? Well, I used to be a soccer mom. And the commercial says something like, get somebody who's really competent. Come use our site. And I thought, what a jerk. Because <laughs> yeah. 
women are really multitask. They're multitask people. Sometimes they've juggled kids and husbands, and somebody's traveling, and somebody's going here, and they got the laundry, they got dinner, the dog's going to the vet. They had to stop for you know. They do. They can do all kinds of different things, and. This is not a brute strength job. This is a thinking job. This is a job where you have to have common sense and you have to be focused. And I think women are really good at it if they let themselves make, it's okay to make a mistake. It's okay. And I think the hardest thing for the woman is if somebody, a lot of people ridicule you out here when you start. They try to tease you. They try to make you, um, you know, feel not confident. You're already not confident because you're a little bit out of your element. You're very much out of your element. And when people are trying to make snide and ridicule remarks, it makes you a little bit more nervous, and when you're nervous, you lash out, and, and then it just it just escalates, and that's kind of the, the first hurdle, and then there's, there's um, the other part of it is trying to be too tough, trying to be too much, too much of this, or too much of that to overprove yourself. This, mm-hmm. this is not a very good environment to learn in. And um, I, I, I wish that there was a better uh, structure because they are a lot more responsible. They're better with the paperwork. They're better with the, the technical skills of it mm-hmm. and communicating. And especially the women that I'm meeting that are in my age, that they're not married, their kids are grown up, you know, you get tired of going home, the dog's looking at you, you're looking at the dog, you know, you don't even have anything to say to the dog anymore. <laughs> You've talked about everything. <laughs> and so um, I see a lot of women, they're just, you know, per- I do the same thing I did when I lived by myself. I watch TV at night, you know, I get up in the morning, I do, you know, whatever. So um, it's the, it's the, it's, environment that they have this little a little chip on their shoulder because they want to prove themselves right and and the first person that reaches out to them is usually the predator and that's a little bit what I wanted to um, wanted to touch on um, you know you talked about in your journal the the trainer and the the, the uh, team driving and I know there's a lot of people, you know, wanting to know. They're very curious um, uh-huh. about all that. So if you could touch on um, a little bit of how how you you pick a trainer and how you pick your your uh-huh. your team driver. Uh, yeah, that's. I mean, and that's tricky. Now, I I met a girl who told me ask for a female trainer. And I say this in my blog, you know, a couple of years ago, you might have to, you might go to CDL school and ask a female trainer and then they'll send you home to wait for one and you might wait 18 months until one's available. There's not as many female trainers as there should be. And a lot of the female trainers from the ones that I've met have got this superiority complex that 
they don't train women well. And that is a problem. One of the biggest problems is the women need to understand how to deal with other women. You know, this whole this whole cat fight thing is absolutely there's no there's no place for it. Um you know, you're if you're trying to teach somebody something, you have to get them to trust you and nobody's going to trust your judgment if you're going to try to make them feel inferior to you. So, um I happen to get a a a, a drive a female co-driver and she was glad to get me because she said she's a not she was a non-smoker and that's pretty much when you get a trainer, they pretty much just say smoker non-smoker. That's it. I do see I see that they put uh the races together um sometimes and and that's relevant to to mention because you know the Mexican guys they 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 take care of each other the African American guys they take care of each other um the Jamaican guys they take care of each other but the women don't take care of each other they dog each other out so then you get into this situation where the women have to go with whoever, and that then that that that's where you invite the predators even more. Um, because the predator. The predator is somebody who he's looking for somebody that's vulnerable that needs help, and and you you meet predators. You know when I go to a bar, which I rarely go to a bar. I'm looking for predators, you know. When I'm walking around at night, I'm watching my back to make sure I'm followed. But when I'm going to learn how to drive a truck at my big, huge company, I'm not thinking to myself that I need to watch where I'm going. (laughs) I'm thinking that, hey, we are all students. If you come up and say, can I help you with that? And I say, yeah, sure, and I'll help you too. I'm not thinking this person might attack me later. And so your guard is a little down because you're so focused on the truck. You're focused on, am I looking in that mirror? Am I looking in that mirror? Did I remember to check the tires, the oil, the belt? Did I do all the things in my inspection? Did I do all my paperwork right? Your mind is totally 110% consumed with this job in the first period. Um, You have to really think about every move that you make. So the girls are, they're focused on one thing and the guys are not. When they are put in that situation, they, they keep thinking. And a lot of the girls I talk to, they say, I told him I didn't want to have any sort of relationship. And I said, see, what you did when you said that was you presented him a challenge. You are trying to figure out how to back the truck up, and you just threw the gauntlet down to him to say, I can, I can change her mind. So he's operating off an entirely different set of rules than you are, and you don't even know it. So when the blowout happens, you never even saw it coming. And... Um, and, um, and, and, then, and then you go to the company, and the company's like, they kind of blame it on you. It's like, you know, I didn't come out here to be Dr. Phil. I came out here to learn how to back this thing up and not roll it over in a ditch. So, you know, 
Um, and that's part of like not being able to choose your your team. And I mean, mm-hmm. you just well, the team part the team part is a little different. Now, with the trainer thing, they just you know. Uh, now it's not it's not the same in all all companies. My friend Anthony, I had two guys that was real close to in CDL school. We all went to three different schools and we talk on the phone a lot. All, all different ages. And Anthony had a really great system. They have one trainer take you out. They make you do everything by hand, all the old-fashioned way. And then you go out with a second trainer for two weeks to make sure the first trainer did his job. I thought, what a fabulous system. Because you got a lot of trainers out here that just train because they want money. They don't care. They take you to the casino, park it, and say, say see you later. You know, and um, and then you have good trainers who get really terrible students who got a workforce voucher from the Department of Labor, and they don't want to be truckers. They just want to get a free ride across the America because Uncle Sam just gave them one. So you have good students getting stuck with bad trainers, and bad trainers getting stuck with good students, and it's like a three-ring circus. And so. Uh, the team thing, not all companies do the team thing. Some of them have smaller phases to it. Well, if you've been in, a, if you've had a bad trainer, and then they put two students together, one of the first biggest problems, and it doesn't matter what the gender is, is you have two students that have very little experience trying to supervise and micromanage each other. And that's the first problem. That a lot of it could be eliminated if the company said, "Okay, you passed your your first month, and now you guys are going to team up for six months. This truck does not belong to either one of you. It's ours, and you do not throw him off. You know, and just say these are the guidelines. When you drive, you're the driver." But do you respect the person that's got to sleep for 10 hours? A lot of the little things that people fight about in these conditions would be eliminated if the company put a little more effort to give them some guidelines. And a lot of it's just stuff, when you live in this closet together, the person's playing the music too loud. I don't want to get in a confrontation with somebody and say, can you not play it on 22 when I'm trying to sleep because I only got this much time to sleep on a moving vehicle. Then you're already going to step on toes. Um, right. So that well, they can take... Team, team driving is a whole other thing because I, I would never team. In 30 years, I never teamed. I did once, but it was with a real good friend of mine for a short time. And uh, but that's the problem that you get with team. The, the the successful teamers out there are usually the husband and wife teams, and and even then when you're when you're together 24/7, even then things can explode. But I've had friends, and Donna knows too. We've had friends that have hopped into trucks just starting out uh, with a trainer, and uh, they lived here in Florida, so, and uh, went up to uh, Wyoming or somewhere and got in a big fat, and the, uh, the, you know, the other guy threw him out, you know, saying, this is my home, this is my truck. Uh-huh. So you hit it right on the nail, which I don't understand why the companies allow that to happen. And yeah. um, 
and the, yeah. the, the attitude that these trainers and drivers have that, you know, this is my house, this is where I live. Well, it's not your house. It's the company's mm-hmm. truck. And, and that has blown my mind for 30 years. I've never understood that. Yeah, and they do. They they say, this is my truck and this is, you know, these are the whatever. And it, it is kind of like, you know, when you're getting on your trainer's truck. Now, I mean, I ended up getting a, a young lady, 29 years old, um, really good driver, but she did not want me to be a good driver. She continually <laughs> did things to make me, sabotage me. And, um, you know, and she had all her medical problems, and she ended up taking me in there before I had enough time to even test out. Um, she, she, just, she didn't like training. She didn't like anybody. She didn't like herself. And she was sick. And you know, Man, a death wish. Like a wonderful I thought. experience. Yeah, well, you know, and we and I started in winter, which I actually think benefited me wow. because it, it's kind of like start with the, the hardest question first and get it out of the way. Um, right. And she, this girl was really, she had a death wish. I mean, if I slowed down, she'd rip the curtain open. Why are you slowing down? I mean, everything. The safety manager tells you not to do. She said, "Do it." And I finally, at one point, had to say, "Look, it. You know what? I have. I know you have been driving a truck longer than me, but I've been a licensed driver longer than you've been alive. And what you're telling me to do is irresponsible. You know, you don't tailgate people when there's snow on the road, when they've ha- when they've all got cabin fever." And this is the first time they've been out of their house in a week. Stuff like that, wanting me to race through residential areas where kids could be coming out of their on their bicycles or dogs running out. Um, mm-hmm. a, a lot of irresponsible things, but those are come with youth. Um, you know, to these girls that want to be tough. They want to be tough girls. They want to be, you know, men. And right. and so we we had a couple rounds as far as that went, and then with her medical problems, she basically, she didn't want me to pass. Hmm. Um, and, uh, so what, happen, what happens when things like this come up, and I don't know if you did, but it, and, and you took it to your, uh, uh, you know, superiors, your, your peers and everything. I mean, they just blew it off or nothing was done? Um, you have to write an evaluation of your trainer. Mine was 19 pages. I don't know if anything happened to her. I did see her later. She wasn't the trainer anymore. But this was a girl who, every time we stopped somewhere, was cruising for guys. So, you know, you ask 100 guys, one of them's going to say yeah. And so she finally got a guy to team with her and... Ironically, she was a trainer so that she could get me to do her work. She had trouble getting in the trailer. She had trouble with fuel hoses. She was in bad. She was in such bad health. She could not do many of the things required to be a truck driver anymore. So she was a trainer so that I would, that the student would do it. And ironically, she ended up teaming with a guy that was making her do all the stuff, even though her health was so so poor. So when I 
last heard her, she was complaining because she was having to work too hard and he wasn't doing, you know, but, you know, you get, I believe in karma. So, yeah, um, well, there's, there's a big difference between being a good driver and a good trainer because, I mean, a lot of people can drive, but a lot of people can't train. But I right. just really see no, I just don't really see any, um, oh, how to put it, um, any filtering by by many of these companies. I mean, if you want to be a trainer, okay, you can be a trainer, but that's not always the best route to go because a lot of them, right. like you said, do do it just for the money because they're making an extra 50 bucks a day or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you know, they, they get so many more cents per mile. And, well, the way the, the way the system worked when I started was trainers get priority miles. Because you know, when you when you when you figure out how much it costs to run truck one truck, the student's making fourteen cents, and the trainer's making thirty eight cents, and then you have the, the the students the the phase two students, and they're both making whatever eighteen cents each. You know, when it's push comes to shove, and you start seeing how much it's going to cost to run one truck as opposed to another truck. Now, all of that has changed this year because of the economy and the freight slowdown, and a lot of the trainers are experiencing they're sitting around with no freight with a student on their truck. So um, we only get paid when we're driving. We're not getting paid for anything else, and so something that students need to understand there's a lot of things you don't understand when you when you start. I didn't know I was going to clean out trailers. I didn't know I was going to be sharing a bed with somebody that I don't know. I didn't know right. what that people, you know, I didn't know about the bathroom facility. They just don't tell you all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So you find well, out like the day you get on the truck. Yeah, well, I see... Um... I mean, I, I, I see a big need for female driver trainers. I mean, do you see any companies pushing for that or trying to bring in women drivers at all? They want to. But, I mean, one, one, I was told I'm not allowed to be because I made an HR complaint. I was told that straight to my face. Um, you were told what now? I was I'm not I couldn't be because I, I inquired about doing that with the next partner that I'm getting ready to talk about and I was told that I'm not allowed to be because I made an HR complaint to be a trainer to be a trainer yeah oh my so God. the fact that I that I made an HR complaint makes me look like I'm bad or something I'm defective because I complained about the things that happened to me. To human resources. To human resources. So I don't know okay. how that all makes sense. So, so, they, um, so they, provide, they provide this complaint form. They want you to, to fill it out, but then when you do, uh, they, uh, they, they pay you back a little bit, so to speak. You, you kind right. of become the uh, black sheep. Target. You kind <laughs> yeah. of out yourself, really, and make yourself a right. target. That's what I found. It was the biggest mistake I had. My biggest mistake was to even make a form. And I was kind of coerced into complaining because I was told before I made a formal complaint that it would happen. If I make a formal complaint, you are going to set yourself up to be a target. So I really didn't want to complain. I really didn't want to get off the truck. I really wanted to suck it up. 
and it was um, other people that said, get off, get off the truck now. And so I said, okay, you know, and then when the, the first deal happened, I was shaking so bad. My hands were shaking. I was like, I couldn't shift. I couldn't hold the steering wheel. And for my own safety and the safety of everybody on the highway with me, I said, I got to get off this truck. Can you share a little bit of, you know, without getting into detail, of uh, what happened with that? Well, the first, the first guy, you know, uh, the, there was one person from my CDL who I really did not like him. Um, and I didn't want to team with him, but there was nobody else to team with. Eighty people were in my class, so I was the only girl. It's kind of like choosing teams, and nobody's going to pick you. <laughs> and so he he actually failed his his uh, blood pressure test like three times. And I was like, gosh, I really don't want to have to team with you because what if you have a heart attack behind the wheel or something? But I had no one else. But then when it came time for us to test out, he wanted to go home, and then he was a week behind me. So I had sat around already two weeks with no check. So they said, go get a temporary person to team us. So I was like, oh, okay, one week. What, one week, okay. And so they take you in this room, and then people are all trying to meet each other. And this guy, I said, I don't want to commit to somebody forever, you know, because I got my team partner coming back in a week. Well, this other guy said, well, I only need somebody for a week, too, because I'm a single dad. I'm taking, you know, got to go home to my kid. I'm like, oh, perfect, great, you know. So, you know, do you have any accidents? You tell them, no, I'm great. Oh, this is perfect. And, you know, then I get out there, and this person, he, we both interviewed him. Uh, me and Tony sat and talked to him for half an hour, asked him all kinds of questions. He answered everything right. All the guys that I knew from orientation walked me with my bags to the truck, and they, they told the guy, you know, yeah, and she's going to be safe, right? Yeah, cool, yeah, great. As soon as we drove off the property, and I hear this time and again with girls, and the company too, they say, well, you don't know who you got until you get out of there. They take off their mask as soon as you get off the property. So you really, there's really no way for you to know who you're dealing with until it, it's already too late, and it takes all kinds of uh, fashions. Now, with this guy, he he just wa- all he wanted to talk about was you know his whatever his stuff. You read about it in the thing, but basically, every day he would just get real persistent with me. He was badgering me, badgering me like crazy, and and then he just finally just blurted out that I must be a racist because I wasn't responding to him. And he he had gotten he had gotten in the trainer program right when we left. And he made it clear to me that he was going to be a trainer cuz he needed he needed to get a female on the truck. That was his entire intention to be a trainer was to get females on the truck. And certain kinds of females he was going to even request. <laughs> the kind he liked. And I was when so when he said this to me, I was like, "Listen, I'm going to do you a huge favor. Never talk to somebody like this, or you are going to get this tr- company in a lot of trouble. You cannot say these things." And he he was like, "I'm so sorry. I'm I'm really sorry. You're right. I don't know why I said that, but then he exploded on me, and he got really mean." And 
it was kind of like one of these, he, he was trying to provoke me. And I do have a temper. I will get into something. When I was in CDL school, my, my teacher said, don't get into a fight with your co-driver. He lost his CDL from getting into a fist fight. So that's always in the back of my mind. You know, I don't want to get into a physical class with a total stranger. Any number of things can happen. But this guy was trying to provoke me, and I was shaking because I was, I was pissed. I was, I, I was livid. In any case, I couldn't drive the truck, and so I got off the truck. And um, it just spun out. The thing just spun out of control. Um, they spent more time trying to find out if I really was a racist. I don't know what they were doing, nothing. But in any case, this guy was friends with somebody who seats the people on the truck. And this person continually pops up, even today with the girls that I help at my company. This person's name comes up when they have a problem with a co-driver. I say, well, where did you meet this person? They say, well, so-and-so told me to have them call me. And and it's just common knowledge. This, the system continually getting set up with this person that is, you know, just got off a truck from having a physical altercation or some violent thing. And, and the, the, the company that company does nothing about it they just they don't i i know that she's had several complaints uh, but they don't address it they don't understand it they don't believe it they don't they're not getting it nobody maybe somebody hasn't expressed it the correct way uh, I had coffee with four women yesterday morning, and this woman's name came up time and again. And it doesn't just come up with women. It comes up with men, too. Men tell me the same. They, they say the same. You mention this person's name, and I mean just about everybody in the room. Now, there's usually about five. They'll say, that, she's always nice to me, but it's a very small sample. We have a very large company. The majority says, yep. It's basically one of those things where you become so desensitized from working with the public that you probably should not work with them anymore uh, because you, you have a, a bitterness that you just, you're not doing your thing. And this is a really difficult job. You have people that are complaining. They've been stuck on trucks. They didn't get paid. They're far away from their family. They're lonely. They're tired. They're broke. And I see her size. She sees people at their worst all of the time, but she needs to step up her game or she needs to not deal with these people at all. Desiree, um, how, many peop- how many women have you spoken to since um, you've, um, exposed a lot of the things um, in your journal and the blog post on Ask the Trucker. How many women have come forward now um, because of that and uh, and have spoken to you or you know have spoken to those in charge, um, whether it be your company or other companies? Um, do you see things, uh, you know, people being uh, a little less hesitant? Um, no. They're scared. They're scared to talk. 
no, they don't want to rock the boat because they're afraid they're going to get targeted. So um, I just had one girl. She she she's and she wouldn't even confess to me that she'd been. And, it, and it's not uh, being with a being with another girl co-driver is not the magic bullet by any means. Sometimes these girls you get teamed up with cannot drive, or they are just out here picking up on men and they don't care. Um, there's all kinds of um, problems, but I just this one girl that I met her when she was in her training and I helped her through it. She finally confessed to me. She's like, I just didn't want to tell anybody, but the girl that I was with, she was a terrible driver. She was, you know, getting us in all these situations. I was so afraid. And the, the woman I was talking to yesterday, same thing. Now she's got on her record all this bad stuff because she's been covering for these guys. You get in, and this is the thing with women. They don't want to talk. Women do not want anything to look like it's, not rosy. They always want it to be, you know, they always want it to seem like everything's hunky-dory. And, 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 and privately, they're going through all of this hell. They're trying to make it, you know, paint. I'll take care of that. I'll take care of that. Well, you know, I'm, I want to do the, you know, that's what women do. That Now, this, this girl I talked to yesterday, now she's got a bad record because she's been covering and the other girl that finally confessed to me that she'd been covering, and she told me some of the things she'd been because she was so afraid. Well, what is what is what are they covering? Um, you know, like the guy the guy's doing some things on the truck he shouldn't be doing, um, drinking or you know getting them late for loads because he was doing this or that, whatever. When you're in a team experience, it's like if we go down, we're going down together. And the guys make it very clear to you, you are going to do what I say or I will ruin your reputation. So you you kind of get in this hostage situation. And you and tell me then that if, if, a, if a woman driver was spoken to or uh, threatened like that and if they went to HR, then you're saying that the mark would be against them for complaining Against yeah, they basically, they basically, the, the, the way that it runs now is they kind of intimidate you, and they, intim- I don't know what they do to the guy, but it didn't seem like he was intimidated, and then they, they send you off in your different directions, but they definitely make you feel like you did something wrong. They make you feel like you did something to deserve it, and... Well, that- well, that's the that's the way the whole judicial system works, anyway. I mean, even outside mm-hmm. of trucking, if a, you know, we all we all know that these women who have been attacked or something, and then the the attorneys come in and turn it around on them. So that's the whole right. judicial system, anyway. And it's not just women either. The men the men will do it to the uh, the younger men coming in. So it work, kind of works both ways. And right. And uh, again, again, it's not all the men. I mean, there's there are men that are you know very good trainers and professional. But I was mm-hmm. really shocked. And all the emails that have flooded in from women to me, uh, begging me to get this story out because I have to admit, even with 30 years of trucking, I had no idea that it was uh-huh. just as bad as it was. And then uh, and, and, you and have really brought the light on. And I and I want to say, ahead. and since I started talking about this, Oida has got some new regulations that have come down. Um, there's all kinds of new new. Um, 
uh, conversations coming out about this. And I have met women that I had a great trainer. He was a guy. We had the best time. Nothing ever happened. He's still my friend. So they are out there. My friend Anthony said, you cannot... You can't train a a male trainer cannot train a woman unless he's been with the company so long. He has got to have an immaculate record. They do not. And he said, when we're at my terminal, I can't even wear a tank top. And if you go and talk to a girl driver and you ask her out and she says no, you better never ask her again ever. We are. They are so strict. It really has to do with company to company. Um, how they manage mm-hmm. it. If you have no system, you have to understand, too, with the volume of the ki- these people they're recruiting, many of these people have never worked for a corporation or a company. They've worked in construction with all guys or worked under the table or maybe they're from other countries where they don't really are not used to seeing women. I had one girl that was teamed up with a guy from Cuba, and he was just flipping his lid that a girl even drove a truck. I mean, he just, he rented a car and just got off the truck in the middle of nowhere. He just couldn't even take it anymore, and she was helping him read. He couldn't even read, you know, and he was getting mad that she was even driving, period, driving the truck, period. This is, you don't do that in his culture. And a lot of it has to do with the guidance of the, the company. If there's no guidance, and there's no training, then the guys are like, hey. It's like saying to your dog, you know, dog, don't bark. And the dog's like, okay, bark. <laughs> you know, the dog doesn't know. The dog barks. So that's kind of like when you when you start talking about this, some men say, well, I know better. Well, yeah, you know better because you're a grown man and maybe you've been educated, but a lot of men don't know. They don't. Mm-hmm. And nobody ever told them. And, um, and, and, you know, so, um, what, what, what is the biggest problem you see? If you had to say for women, give them, they're all, you know, they're all listening right now. Um, I think it's going to be their biggest obstacle and they, you know, they really want to be successful. What's your advice? Um, listen to your trainer. Don't think you know it all. You don't know anything. Uh, truckers by nature are very strong personalities, all very independent thinking people. They are very particular about the things that they like done on their truck, and so you need to respect your trainer. Unless your trainer is telling you to do something that's illegal or that's threatening your safety, or making racial remarks or sexual references, listen to what your trainer says. And that's probably the biggest problem I hear. I have, I know one male trainer right now that just had to have a, a woman off of his truck. Um, she didn't listen to him. She kept wanting to tell him. Um, he's a really good trainer. Um I met another woman that he trained, and I told her right from the beginning that he's a really good trainer, but sometimes he says things that make you want to go, don't talk to me like that. He's really a pussycat. He wants everything the best for you. Just listen to him. Don't get put off by his tone of voice. Now she's 
nine months later, and she's like, I never realized how lucky I was to get him until now. I've talked to so many other people and seen what kind of trainer they got. But he is a little brash on the surface. So don't get confused by that. Um, Let me don't ask get you a question. That's right. Mm-hmm. It's important to listen to your trainer. What does a woman do if she's in the position she needs to listen to her trainer because he's he's teaching her the right way to drive, and then she also ends up, though, that he's making certain innuendos. Now, how do you deal with that? How do you listen how to drive with one ear and, um, you know, just blow him off on the other side with, um, you know, not pay attention. He shouldn't be. He shouldn't even be bringing it up. And 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 I want to say that about female trainers too. There's a lot of female trainers that are lesbians, and there are women that like women. So whether you're whether you're a student or whether you're a trainer, you do not talk about sex. Sex is not a topic of conversation ever under any circumstances whatsoever. Even though you're living with each other 24-7, it should never be a topic of conversation. And as soon as you bring it up, you open a whole can of worms. And if they keep bringing it up, then they are in the wrong. The second thing that female students need to understand is if you do get a good trainer that's really caring about your success and teaching you, Women start getting this doctor-patient syndrome where they're like, oh, he really cares about me, you know, and they start getting enamored with them, and he, he's, you know, we're going to ride off into the sunset together. And then you're putting the trainer in a bad spot because just because he's teaching you something and he's caring about your success doesn't mean that he's, you're getting married and going to the little white wedding chapel. And so when you you start getting confused in this, you're putting him and his job in jeopardy also. So women need to set that. There is, I think, some sort of little romance attraction to this. There are some women that come out here thinking they're going to just find a man. So you need to tell yourself before you come out here, are you really coming out here to drive a truck or are you coming out here to goof off? Because if you are, you're wasting a lot of people's time and you're making it hard for me and people like me because what I found out that I haven't written about on the story yet is now when I'm starting to get to meet women, a lot of women didn't want me out here because you're guilty until proven innocent. They're already assuming that you're coming out here just to meet guys and to goof off. So nobody wanted to help me because I was guilty until proven innocent. And they weren't going to help me. How's things right now um, with, with your driving? And it's pretty good. You've gone through all this and... You know, everybody can read about it. Um, you mm-hmm. don't have to go through it all here. But uh, so, it's pretty good uh, right now? I love it. I am I have it made now. I have a great route. I've come to love so many people in my company. I have the highest hopes that they are going to get through this, you know, this economic thing, that we're going to come out of this good. And I just, I, I got my one-year jacket. I never thought I'd be happy to wear satin jacket and 
the 80s, but I am. <laughs> you know, like, I want to wear it, you know. I don't even care what anybody says. I worked really hard for that jacket. And, um... Those little um, rewards are nice. Those little rewards are nice, though. I mean, yeah, you know, I, I got mean, the it, sticker, it, it, it circle of safety sticker. I mean, I was like crying. I mean, I wanted to like tape it on my head and go run through the hallways. You know, <laughs> it was not easy to be safe during all of that stuff going on. Um, one thing that suffered because my tr- my trainer did not want me to be successful. Um, and because of all the stress that I went through with all the team partners, is that now you had I, two trainers. I had two trainers, and the second guy helped me for a week just get through the test part, and then they actually had to take me down on the course. And the man that took me on the course and coached me, he said, I've never seen anybody pick stuff up as fast as you do. You totally pay attention. And I'm like, I know, but see, nobody has taken the time. My one friend that's a male trainer I was I I had a lot of trouble with my backing because as more stress was put upon me, I was getting worse instead of better. I was like going I was going backwards, and I was with team partners that were making fun of me, and that's a trigger for me because I was I was bullied when I was a little kid, and when people bully me, I I have two ways that I go. I get really calm, and then I smoke you, or I get nervous. And I've, and I've worked on those two things, but as this thing unraveled for me, I started getting worse in the back. So my, my friend that's a male trainer, whenever he'd get a new student, if I happened to be around, I'd say, can I go too? Because he always takes them to the course first to see what they can do and to give them a little coaching. And I would say, can I go? Would you please help me? I'm having trouble with this one move. I keep getting in this situation. So I took it upon myself to find people that would help me. And I'm still working on a couple little moves. And what I do is I, I, I deliberately get myself into tricky spots when I have the time. I'll stay there all night, and if anybody honks at me, I'll just give them the finger, and I'll be like, you know what, go around. I'm doing something. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty common in trucking anyway. So you get you get those, and you get the... The, the horns blowing at you and everything else, but, you know, you like to just jump out and run over there and grab them by the neck and say, if you think you can do it any better, get up there and do it. But, of course, you can't yeah, do that. But. Sometimes on the radio, um, sometimes I hear a guy say, um, you got it, don't worry, we all had to learn one time. And I, and I always, I rarely talk on the TV, but when somebody's really nice like that, I always say, thank you. <laughs> Thanks, y'all. <laughs> and I like it when I hear that older guy, the voice of reason, kind of ring out and say, "We all had to learn sometime." Um, oh yeah. <laughs> I don't want to get all- so jaded that I that I bark out, but um, you know. That's part of it. Sometimes you just can't help it because it's a very stressful job. It sounds huh? like it just, sounds like you you you've cert- you have certainly paid your dues, so it's all paying off for you now. What? What's the freight like out there? Is it, is, well, you're on a dedicated route, so you're probably doing pretty good. But is the I'm doing good, up? but, boy, a lot of people are really hurting. They are really sitting around waiting, getting really short runs, and they are really struggling. Um, the, mm-hmm. the, I'm just learning about the actual bidding of freight where, you know, uh, 
you know, something com- becomes available and it's like who's going to move it the cheapest. And right. and it's it's really pitiful. Um and it, it causes concern because especially in a t- in a on a team thing, when you're sitting, you're fighting. You know, cuz the stress right. on both of you, both of you have your own bills, your own responsibilities, your own family, your own struggles. And so when you're sitting, that's the only person to like vent out on, and it, it, right. it gets it. The the nature of this job is so isolated. You don't know if, if they're doing it on purpose. You don't know if there really is no freight. You know, it, it causes so much paranoia. Sometimes I come fuel up, and like four people from my company that have been sitting in a truck stop with no load, they'll come running up to the fuel pump. Are you rolling? Do you have a load? <laughs> I like I feel like. Ah. You know, I feel like I'm the first person that came through with the with the mail on the Pony Express or something, and they haven't seen a human for. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry. Here's a can of soup. Don't attack me. <laughs> yeah. Been there, done that. So, okay, well, we're uh, uh, five minutes past the first hour, so uh, we're going to take a short two and a half minute break here. And Desiree, when we come back, I want to turn our focus on something I know is like I said, is one of your passions, and that is the green movement within our country as well as your uh, political trucking views, government spending, government funding, the state of California, CARB and all that, and about the clean air emission control proposals and, and so much more that you write about and, and made so public out there so well like you do and things that you're seeing and experiencing out there on the road. So you can be thinking about that in our uh, Phone number again is 347-826-9170. You can call in and participate in the show. And hello to everybody in the chat. I do see you there and appreciate you being here. So um, stay with us. Um, stay with us, everyone. Truth About Trucking Live with trucker Desiree. We'll be right back after this short musical break. We'll be back in about two and a half minutes.
Okay, we're back after a little California Dreaming, Truth About Trucking, and Don and I are speaking with our special guest, Desiree, who is widely known as Trucker Desiree. We've been discussing the problems that are sometimes faced by women drivers, and our number again, 347-826-970. And now, Desiree, as I said just before the break, you really put the green movement going on in our country, and you've really picked up on a lot of actions, politically speaking, that really gets you fired up. And you write a lot about government funding and government spending and how you believe company training schools use displaced people without conscience for their ultimate success. And you speak about the driver shortage we've already touched about, brought on by the company. You've written about how the companies, you know, use government funds in order to keep the myth alive. And so, I mean, so many things you write about. It's just really fascinating. And and uh, really, just just jump in wherever you'd like to start, the California Air Resources Board or, or uh, government spending, just wherever you want to lead us. And what are you well, seeing out there in your view? Well, the first thing that happened was when I, after I started writing the blog and I got onto Twitter, a couple people started, you know, talk, uh, right away that are in they're in other jobs now, but they used to be truckers. A lot of women and men that are executives or in other fields. And one of the people was somebody that's involved with this fair tax um, grassroots thing, and was telling me we we started having these conversations, um, fair tax of southwestern Georgia, and we started having these conversations, and he was telling me you know, how the trucking was before I got into it. And we started having this conversation about all these truck schools and, you know, the disparity between the Department of Labor and the Department of Education, how much money they're spending to retrain displaced workers and how many are actually becoming truckers. I mean, mm-hmm. there's this, this huge vacuum of money that's disappearing that people are not coming out of the system. How can you have this turnover rate if you're recruiting at that volume? You're recruiting mm-hmm. people that are inappropriate. You're giving money away hand over fist, and you're getting nothing out of it. And um, I got invited to write on this um, in social media, and I, I wrote about how there's so many truckers on Twitter and this is a primarily a writer's group that's for social media, you know. So they were like, wow, a trucker, you know. And right away my article got attention from a gentleman who introduced me to this Bright Futures job movement, which has to do with a H-1B, which I'm just learning about, is a problem with, the work visas, and it's some congressional, you know, where they, where you hire the people on work visas before you hire the American citizens and you hire people that are green card holders, and it's affecting mm-hmm. IT industries and some other industries, and so that lady that put that thing together started getting in touch with me, and so I started having all these conversations with people from all these different walks of life. And seeing this thing emerge of all this government spending that's just getting dumped into nothing. And, and you know, the American people are thinking they're doing something good. They th- You know, you've got all these displaced people, unemployed, and this puts the, the, 
this puts the recruiters in hot overdrive because, again, yeah. like the mortgage industry, you know, free whoever can qualify for a loan, don't you want to make $45,000 your first year? One guy told me he was told he was going to make $80,000 and be home every weekend. Uh-uh, you're not. Yeah, I, I no, I, I hear that all the time, and I get so frustrated, and I get emails from people, and, you know, they, 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 they take the information I give them. They still go out there and try it, and then when everything I say comes true, they kind of come back on me when I, I don't really understand their frustration. To me, it's like, you know, I, I, I told you this, and you have to know, you know, how to make trucking work. And, you know, you're you're talking about the displaced workers and everything. That just reminds me, I think it's funny that, you know, there's there's supposedly 10 million people out of work in the United States right now, but yet we have 20 million illegal aliens working here. So, you know, you just kind of do mm-hmm. the math, you know. <laughs> yeah, and and I and I I don't really like to get on the you know you know truckers have a PR problem and a lot of it's because it's always the ones that are really you know they say they say things that are really nasty and uh-huh. uh, you know I don't even like getting into the whole politics of it. I'm on this side that side I don't even like all all of that stuff but the truth is we America is in trouble. The people that live here need jobs, and we should be able to get the jobs first. And so when they introduced me to this bill, and I'm reading it, and I'm going, whoa, this this thing says that they're better off hiring people on work visas than us. And those people... They can treat a little bit worse than they can treat us and pay a little bit less oh, yeah. than they treat us because we have sure. labor laws that don't apply to them. You know, I'm, not, I'm just sure. digging into it. I'm just starting to learn about it. And mm-hmm. and this is the whole outsourcing thing. You can't outsource trucking like you do making tennis shoes over in some other country. We outsource our jobs in this country because we have labor laws. So if we send that job somewhere else, we don't have to see people having human rights violations right in our own backyards, and we get our cheap tennis shoes. But this thing with this with this this H-1B, this work visa thing, this this is another predatory thing. This is another predatory thing where corporations can take advantage of people the way that they cannot take advantage of American workers. You know, they don't under the same jurisdiction. And you know what? When you bring somebody from another country, they're just glad to be here. You can do pretty much anything to them. And they're not going to complain because they're just glad they got over here. Um uh, now it's it's kind of out there that I'm, I'm I'm Mexican and my family is uh, a migrant field working family. My mother told me stories about how you know you'd go and you'd work all day long in the field and then the guy might you go to get paid from the guy the the terrible wages they were going to going to pay you and they'd say we're not we're not paying you. Um, we're calling immigration on you. You know. And if right. I'd be like, are you serious? They would let you work all day and, and, and then call immigration. And she'd like, yeah, it would. Happen all the time. And people do 
do nasty things like that, but who's going to complain? You can abuse people that are displaced. You can abuse people that are disenfranchised because, and, and, and that falls in the same category as the women that are coming into this. You can abuse them because they're, they're desperate. They want a new chance at a new life. And they're willing to make right. sacrifices that it's going to take to have a chance at that new life. And there's always somebody that's going to cash in on that. Oh, of course. I mean, that's almost the American way now. The American way. Sorry to say it. Sad to say, but it's true. <laughs> yeah, it is. You know. Well, I know you uh, see. Uh, you 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 post a lot about California too. I mean, I know you were born in California, right? I was born and raised in California. My whole family lives in California. Um, we grew up on the beach. So, you know, and um, I, I didn't catch that. No, go well, ahead. There's, there's a little there's a little delay, so that's why I jump in there sometimes. But go ahead, okay. just go ahead and say what you were um, saying. I grew up on the beach. Um, I grew up in paradise, um, but it wasn't. It was it was not the high rent district when we lived at the beach in paradise. It got to be that way, um, and that's why I kind of talk about things the way I talk about them because. I lived in places in Southern California that I couldn't even afford to have a sandwich there now before they were cool, and they kind of got invaded, and the prices ran up, and the people, they they don't have a, a, a they don't have a great sense of the fact that there are industries that California needs to have there there's farms there <laughs> if you leave the beach there's actually farms and trucks people in california don't really understand why why did the trucks even have to come here they're just like on the freeway you know they don't get it there is a huge difference in the way that you get treated as a trucker in california as compared to some other states and I think a lot of it has to do with they see the trucks more. They have more truckers in their family. But the way California's geography is, most of the industry is conducted on I-5 and these areas outside of where most of the population lives close to the beach. They don't relate. They don't see it out of sight, out of mind. You're in their way. You're bothering them. You're dirty. You're stinky. Why are you here? Right. And I was talking to I I I think some people know now from Twitter. Max Gale played Wojoho at Son Barney Miller. Is somebody that he's I call he's like my bonus father. He and I and he he got he's gotten involved in this thing with me, and we've been and I. As this thing's evolved with the with the carb, you know, he got a flyer about this faster freight cleaner air conference, and he sent it to me, and so we have conversation. And I'm like, tell me what is going on out there? Why is there a war on truckers? And so he mm-hmm. started explaining that all of the 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 emissions and the kids are getting sick and. 
you know, it's kind of just sitting there. Well, that's the geography, too. Los Angeles, Southern California sits in a bowl of the Santa Monica Mountains. The fog just sits uh. there. It doesn't move. They're blaming it all on the truckers when in actuality it's a lot of different things. Oh, yeah. And I, I so I've, I've been in L.A. so many times, and, I mean, that's one place, you, I mean, you, the pollution, the air pollution, you can taste in your mouth. I mean, it's Yeah, just, when I drive it, my eyes start burning when I come over the state line. My eyes start oh, it's watering. Amazing. It's and amazing. I'm all, I'm all for clean air. You know, and one thing I saw when I first started driving a truck was all the little free magazines I pick up in the pilot and the TA. They all have like a free magazine, and I would read it. They all have these like kind of marketing um, strategies to show how green this and we like the environment. Like they're trying to do this movement to kind of say, yeah, we're going to embrace this. We're trying to change the perception, and who doesn't? If you're an owner-operator, you want to save on diesel. If you're a fleet owner, I mean, that's dollar signs coming out of smokestacks when you look out your office window and you see 100 bobtails sitting there with no load and everybody's idling. You're like, oh, my gosh, look at it, up in smoke. Right, right. So why not? Just what's what's the solution going to be? Who who's going to pay for it? Right. And what's happening in Long Beach is my company's got a terminal, two terminals in Southern California and one in Central. And I know a lot of the big companies do have small satellite terminals in the Long Beach area because of the port. And the right. freight that comes out of the port is high security. It needs to get out of there quickly. Mm-hmm. And the drivers have to rest. Anybody that lives in Southern California knows the distance between Ontario and Long Beach, that's like going across the world, and it's a lot of traffic. <laughs> right. You don't want to go anywhere, and certainly a trucker doesn't. They provide no parking in Southern California except for the notorious Ontario TA. Yeah. And unless you want to be in Crime Central, you're going to go somewhere else. Um, I can go to my terminal. Now, they've been coming in and ticketing us if we idle there, but nobody's providing us anywhere to go. When it's 90, even when it's 70 degrees, these trucks get very hot inside. I can't sleep, especially if you're on the top bunk. All the heat accumulates up there. You're in an oven. If you have a dog, you can idle, but you can't if you're a human. Well, now, is my understanding that the idle law... You can you can idle if you're in the bunk sleeping. Is that not right? No, not not anymore. They 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 um five minutes and you know you can get in there and and it's affecting police officers who have to be in their vehicles. It's affecting a lot. I just I don't think that people under they they don't relate. They, they don't understand why would you idle. And I have to say, as I I have the tree-hugging California in my blood, it freaked me out when I became a trucker and we didn't turn the engine off. I'm like, why are you leaving? That's wrong. You know, leave it on. I was watching an inconvenient truth in Allentown idling, and halfway through, I'm like, oh, my God, (laughs) what am I doing? 
<laughs> you know, it doesn't, there's a loss of connection there of what is, what you're doing. But see, you, you, you have to not lay it all on the driver. The company has got to, to invest in the technology in these trucks. Don't buy the standard model. Buy the kind with the bunk heater. For me personally, in the summertime, I can do with a little fan, and it works with my APU. But some people have a their their body temperature does not permit them. If I'm not well rested, I'm not a safe driver. I gotta I gotta drive safe, and I need to sleep safe. Um, my friend Anthony's company is like that's their rule. We want you to be work. We want you to get well rested. We don't want you to worry about, you know. So they have like a temperature within these ranges. Don't even worry about it. Drivers are getting charged to idle at a price higher than the diesel. That's wrong. Um, yeah, idle air, idle air is not available everywhere, which is a thing to bring temperature control in. And I find idle air when it's really that cold, is not, it doesn't provide enough heat. Hmm. Okay. And, I, I'm sorry, I, I never, I, I never, I never used idle air, but I mean, it, it was a good thing, but I, I, uh, I mean, I read that idle law a while back, and maybe, maybe it's just California, but, um, I mean, California's notorious about <laughs> running things for everybody, but, um, I mean, I, I know I read in the law where the the um, you know alternatives to idling, and it, and right in right in there was uh, uh, unless you're in the bunk, you know, sleeping. But you know, maybe it maybe it varies from state to state. I don't know. It's changed huh. now, and 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 it's changed um, with the idling law, and then this carb thing is where the reefers. I mean, it's very complicated. Um, I got uh, I, I I called up OIDA myself, and so one thing I want to say to people, OIDA, the Owner Operator Independent Drivers Association, I didn't know that they work for all drivers, not just owner operators. I'm a company driver, but I wanted to know about certain things because I didn't know about the per diem. I didn't know if that that was legal to make me be on per diem. I didn't know if um, the idling thing, you know, I talked to J.B. Hunt, and he said, we just get fired if we, I mean, all these crazy, when the, when the, when the fuel prices shot up, the drivers were getting targeted, and I'm an employee, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I'm dedicated now, but most people, the way that it works is you drop off a load, and then you don't know what you're, you might be sitting for a couple days, you might not, and you're not, you're not allowed to go anywhere, you have to just sit wherever you are. You can't move that truck. Now, the thing with, with the person, the driver getting charged, I'd be better off putting 20 bucks in the tank and idling for my temperature control. Um, mm-hmm. Idle air is $2.65 an hour for two days. That's a lot of money. It's wow, also very comfortable. I, I never used it. but mm-hmm. yeah, That's a lot of money when you're when you're talking about, you know, um, it just doesn't work out right. 
and it, and and it, and then when you're in a really cold climate, it does not it does not um, take into account that the engine block can freeze. So it, it's like mm-hmm. they haven't really put it all all the pieces together. And in Ohio, I I wrote that thing about the green idle unit because the way that they're targeting the the owner operators in California is. They're seeing these people parking out on the street idling, not understanding that they don't have anywhere to go. I have a terminal. Right. I go hide behind my gate. You might catch me idling. My company might charge me for idling. But I'm not going to be targeted like the owner-operator who's sitting out there on the street waiting for his load to get ready. People right. don't understand in California that when you get when you get a, a load, you get there for the load, it might not be ready. They might say it's going to be ready at 8, and it's not ready till 4 in the morning. Um, right. Or in the in the middle of the hot afternoon, and then you've got to get in Friday traffic. And you've got to rest. On Twitter, I was put in touch with um, the port of Long Beach, and I started finding out about their webcast, and I started finding about this faster freight cleaner air conference and seeing they have, they're spending an enormous, amount of money to make green innovations down there in their infrastructure for the ships, for green mm-hmm. trucks, hybrids, all of this stuff, hybrid vehicles, clean trucks, all this stuff. But they don't do anything to provide any parking. And I told the guy, uh, the guy communicated with me several times, and I said, do, do a little homework experiment for me. Put on Google Maps how, what the distance is from the port of Long Beach to the border of Arizona and California. That stuff coming out of there is high security. Once it gets on this truck, i got to go. I cannot stop. And you consider the traffic and, and put in there and use a search tool and say truck stop and find out where you can park. There's nowhere. And the places you nice. can park are so crime-ridden you wouldn't want to park there. And he did right. the little homework, and he said, I never thought of it like that. And I have people write me all the time now from Southern California that are non-truckers, and in just, they're like, we never even thought about it like that before. Well, a lot of people don't. They, don't. they just don't understand it. They don't realize it. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people are listening, and... Um, they don't know what CARB is, but, and they're probably just wondering, could, could you guys just, you know, let it, them know what all this is all about? It's the California Air Resources Board, and you can find it on the Internet. I sent Donna you a list of links, and I'm going to post a list of links about a lot of these things that I'm talking about. But the California Air Resources Board, or it's called Air Resources Board, They've made all of these rules, and the and the and the, and the reason I focus on California is one because I'm from there, and I totally understand why they don't understand truckers. And now that I'm a trucker, I understand why it's important for truckers to try to communicate what they do to Southern California, because all the other states are looking at California to see what California is going to do to clean up their environment and then they're going to do the same thing. And so if they make this half-baked scheme, the persons that are going to benefit from it are the big mega, mega. And we 
have killed every mom and pop business in this country. So to focus on these, you know, owner operators, some of them, yes, there are. There's a. There's you know, one size does not fit all. There are some that are really. They, you know, you have to like. There's a snob factor too. You know, I, why do they have to have such a dirty truck? I had the same thing when I first truck. I was like, I want to drive a new truck. I don't want a dirty truck. <laughs> well, you know, at the, at, the, at the end of the game is well, if I got, I'd rather if, if you get a load for 50 miles and your your truck is clean, or you get a load for 2,800 miles and your truck is dirty. Which one do you want? 2800 you're going to get a paycheck and you're probably going to go through a blizzard, a snowstorm, a rainstorm, and a tornado to get there, you know, so that by the time you make it to the other side of the country, the truck is not in the greatest of conditions. And um, it would be great if at the end of that big trip you could always get a free truck wash, but if you get another load right away, you're going to take it. And the name of the game is to keep rolling. Um... So there's a lot of things about California that I hear truckers say like they've been harassed because they had a dirty truck or um, things like this. And this carb thing is something with all of the new rules. They've got the reef, the refrigerated units, the reefers, the 2007s are not going to be good enough. There's, the, the rules are really in-depth that I couldn't even go into here. But basically, an owner-operator just spent $25,000 for his refrigerated trailer a couple years ago, not going to be able to do it anymore. And they have some sort of retrofit kit that's $5,000. Who's got $5,000 to do it? Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you, some of these people have lost their homes. They're living in the truck, the husband and the wife. Maybe the wife, she just does the paperwork and the business side of it. That's their that's their livelihood. We don't have any more mom-and-pop businesses in this country. We've run them all out. So now we're going to attack these people because they don't have a brand-spanking-new truck? Unless they're going to come out and say, we're going to help everybody, going to buy you a new truck, I don't know how they can single them out unless they're deliberately trying to run them out to make it some sort of a monopoly. So I was just really alarmed when I started reading all of the stuff and the people that were the VIP speakers at some of these events, and none of them were truckers. And some of the people that I was reading about who were making these rules, the way that they spoke to the truckers was so snide and condescending, mm-hmm. I thought, how dare you? These people live in that sardine can and travel all night and day so that you can have your goodies right at the corner store or at the Neiman Marcus or wherever you shop. You have no idea. These people stay up all night with this it's like your baby. As soon as that trailer gets loaded and sealed, you're you you know you're on high alert. Is somebody gonna jack this thing, or is somebody gonna hit my freight, or whatever? And I just thought we need to put some effort into bridging some communication here with you know the the slogan um, good stu- trucks, good stuff. You know trucks bring it. 
beautiful, but people right. don't get they don't get it. They really well, they don't. don't. They don't get it at all, and it's a and, it's a self-centeredness, really, a selfish mm-hmm. just way of thinking. And and another thing is, it's in a lack of awareness. You know, mm-hmm. right now you're making people aware. Um, you're telling them. Um, of course, you know, you may be preaching to the choir right now, but um, mm-hmm. you know, this kind of thing has to get out to the people that it mm-hmm. needs to get out to, that it matters yeah. to. Yeah, and that's why I started writing on these other social media groups and going outside of truckers, because truckers already know about truckers. It's people that don't know truckers. And in California, I never met a trucker. I never met. I never even been anywhere near a truck. But if you go to other states, just about everybody's got a trucker in their family. Their brother's a trucker. Somebody in their family in other states. But in California, it's very isolated. They they don't relate at all. It's like Martians coming. Well, they would relate if the goods stopped coming there. Then they yeah, and they relate and so, very quickly. Yeah, they don't. And so that's why I get a lot of emails now from regular old people who are like, oh, and that was, so that one article I wrote called. Um, uh, truckers on Twitter, on in social media. I did it from the point of view of you having a concept, an idea that you used your laptop on, the idea in your brain. You need to translate that idea onto paper or in your laptop. That laptop came on the truck, your pen, your paper, and 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 put it into that kind of a context for people that have gotten themselves so high above reality because we have become desensitized in this country. Everybody thinks that they're above it all. Everybody wants to be superior to somebody else. And and um, I, I rather like being down here on the ground. I like it. I feel good. Um being down here to know where the mover, the real movers and shakers, are living. You know, I've I've had I've I've been on both all sides of the fence now, and I rather like it down here. And it's humbling, um, it's humbling and it's good to be humble. It's it is good, good to be humble. And there's a lot of humbling that's about to be coming in this country. So you need to start opening up your eyes. Being grateful for that piece of paper and that pen, because you might not be able to get one next year. <laughs> yeah. Well, I tell you, two, 2009 is going to be a rough year, and it's going to be a tough year. But, you know, and uh, it, it's hard to imagine that people don't understand that what wherever they go, whatever they're able to buy and purchase comes from a truck. But I uh-huh. guess many of them don't. It's hard for me to understand that. But I tell you, if, if 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 truckers would just if truckers would shut down for seven days in this country, this country would be down to its knees. And um, you know, I just don't understand why people don't see that. It probably won't ever happen, but you know, they need their jobs. But it, it just mm-hmm. I've just been sitting here listening, and every time I hear that, it just amazes me that these people. I don't know if they just don't care or, or no, they don't uh, get it. Because I think about just that too don't, now. Don't get it right. They don't get it. And I remember hearing, because I'm a newsaholic. I'm always watching the news. And I've heard about trucker strike. And my ex-husband, he said, oh, the, the truckers are on strike. There was something that happened when the diesel, 
you know, and, and you hear that in the back of the, the CNN or whatever, and you're like, eh, who cares, you know, and then you go and you do your right. shopping or whatever. You don't, and so when right. I'm Twittering or tweeting or whatever, sometimes I'll say stuff. When I'm doing my shopping, I will say, my favorite shampoo is not on the shelf. Those damn truckers. <laughs> You know, like put it in a put it in a in a, a thing that somebody really relates to. Like you go there and the shelf they don't have that product today. Now I got to buy another product, and that addresses somebody that's marketing that product. What do you mean my product's not on the shelf right now? I talk a lot about a lot of specific products on Twitter, and it's made a lot of marketing people follow me. A lot of people that sell products, a lot of products that I actually haul, and I've made it relevant to these people so that they understand very clearly that I am communicating with a lot of different people, and they're listening to me, and I am part of the supply chain. I am part of your logistics chain, and and from your your concept to to making the product getting it shipped to the consumer, I am the main line in between there. And I am talking to the outside world now where I never was before. And who, I wasn't who able is, to. Who else, who else is trying to get through to um, California, if anybody? I mean, is, is there any one group that's trying to um, make aware the reality no. of truck drivers There's a lot of uh, I'm just starting to get into this um, topic and I've been digging into the websites and stuff and the 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 articles I got from Landline magazine and OIDA are about some meetings that occurred and the woman that uh, her name is Mary Nichols. There were some quotes in there by her. Um, she doesn't seem. She seems like she stepped on some toes already in California. And what is she for? She's part of the how this regulations began getting handed down, and. She doesn't seem like she likes truckers at all. <laughs> I looked her up, and she's from UCLA. I mean, I totally get it. My daughter went to school right there at the edge of UCL, UCLA, a private um, girls, all girls. Yeah, it's it's a very hoity-toity. You know, they don't they don't get it. There's no trucks around there. Even some articles I just got out of this magazine here for. Uh, talks about American Trucking Association. American Trucking Association. This this book here, uh, Heavy Duty Trucking, Delivering the World of Trucks. All of these strategies. And it's in Newport. There's no trucks in Newport. I used to live in Newport. There's There's a lot of really rich people that live in Newport. They don't like trucks there. How can you be an authority on these things when you don't even let trucks anywhere near these towns. <laughs> and right. and so when I when I'm as I've been digging in all of this stuff and I when I saw that conference that when Max shared that with me 
that flyer, and I see all these VIPs, and they have Daimler, and they have they have all these people that are politicians, and they're all going to have this conference about faster freight, cleaner air, but there's no truckers. Well, how are you going to move the freight across the state without truckers involved? Are you going to sell? Are you going to buy them all new trucks? What are you going to do? So it just raised a bunch of questions to me, and then that led into my little idle unit because I see the RVs. They provide RVs with all kinds of comfort for recreational travel so that they don't have to idle. You just plug in a cord and you got your air conditioning and you got your TV or your heater. We provide all of this stuff for recreational travelers, but we don't do it for people that travel commercially to move our stuff for us. We don't provide appropriate parking and we don't provide temperature control because they live in there. So that's how that Green Idol thing came. And then you guys had shared with me um, the Cool Rig APU, which is a, a lot of people don't even know what an APU is. Yeah, I sent you that link. Um, yeah, and and I ended up calling the man. We had a guy I, actually um, send us, a, a Joel, um, send us a, on our contact form on the blog. And he sent mm-hmm. us that link, and then we looked into it, and then I passed it on to you. And uh, yeah, and I called him on the phone, and we talked for like two hours, and he was t- he was telling me stuff on the phone. I'm like, are you kidding me? This is the, like this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. And the EPA is excited about this thing, but he he needs somebody to um, promote it. I said, get on Twitter. I will help you. And so we've been, you know, and I've been, we've been coaching back and forth, and I've been sharing it, and we got, you know, at the Pickens plan, T Boone Pickens, which I mean, I saw T Boone, I discovered T Boone Pickens about six or seven months ago on PDF. I was like, are you kidding me? This man was an oil tycoon, and he is saying we can get off foreign oil. We're going to build wind farms, and I'm going to lead the way. I know. I this just I was reading all about it, and uh, I was like, "This guy's great." <laughs> a lot of so, people so. think that. And 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 for him to take take the initiative and say oh, we can do, it. and and the thing that what I what really was exciting is now this whole year I've been driving across the country in the truck. I've been seeing these big flatbed trucks going across the country with one wing each, three trucks. Three big long flatbeds, so the uh-huh. and they, they got one blade on each truck. And so, you, and so when I when I I couldn't figure out what they were, I was like, are those air? Why is there three blades? Because at first I thought they were air for airplane. I was like, that's a big airplane. But there was three. <laughs> and then when I found out what, who he was, and I saw all the stuff about the wind farms, I was like, oh my gosh, that's them. It was like to me, it's like seeing the railroad being built. Now, for those out there who aren't familiar with the Pickens plan, you can Google, just put Pickens plan, and it it's will... It's going to be on my link list, but pick, yeah, pickensplan.com, and it asks you to get involved. And this guy is, he's spectacular to be leading the way. What a leader. He has no reason at, at he has no reason, I don't want to say it, <laughs> he's got enough money that he could be sitting on a yacht for the rest of his life. He has no reason whatsoever 
be getting involved in anything that has to do with green. That's what's so spectacular about it because he's taking his own money and saying, we don't need to be on foreign oil. We have the technology to do this thing differently. And um, he's a, and it's you know. Windmills a, for, for everybody, you know, when you get on, mm-hmm. you'll understand more. Yeah. But, um, they they want to uh, create a grid and just it'll produce 20% of our nation's electricity. Mm-hmm. And um, he's also, you know, wants to use the natural gas as a transportation mm-hmm. fuel. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just a he's, big, big plan. And his name is T. Boone Pickens. So if you want to Google that and um, look into it, research he's on Twitter. it. He's on Twitter as um, at Pickens Plan. He's on Facebook. He's on my Facebook and um, I just set up my own blog on his site, PickensPlan.com. I did and too, yeah. he's, he's going to be speaking at the Green Truck Summit, which is part of the Work Trucks co- Conference that's coming up. Fleet Owner Magazine announced that. and That's just, March 3rd in Chicago, everybody. And it, it, so it, it's... If you if you if you're if you're uh, if you're hesitant, if you're uh, some people they you know they, they're slow adapters, they really don't want to embrace anything like this. Read about this man, and if he can't win you over, you know nobody will. Just he is a great, what an inspiration. And and it's ironic because he made all his money in oil, and that's the mm-hmm. irony behind it all. Yeah, yeah, he so he made a ton. Of, he made a killing in oil. <laughs> but you know he yeah, sees the, we'll the we'll, need now. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. I don't know if that's going to go through. I mean, I think it's a good plan, but it's going to be like uh, one trillion dollars needed. But uh, I think, yeah. But I mean, who knows? I mean, at least he's thinking. You know, the only only problem I have, yeah, I don't know if I'd call it a problem. It's just, uh, you know, where's he been the last thirty years? But. Um, I don't know, but we'll see. It's a good plan. Like I said, at least he's thinking, you know. Isn't that place out in California, Desiree, what's that called, uh, Semi Valley, that has all those windmills out there? Well, where he's doing it is here in Texas. All of West Texas is going to be yeah, wind out, farms. Out. Now, they, they use wind farms already in Indio and I think uh, Wyoming. They have quite a few and up in um, Tehachapi Valley in California. They, they already use wind farms. But they haven't ever done it to the magnitude that he's talking about. Yeah, he's and, kind of talking about like the entire Midwest, right? Uh huh. Yeah, and the the thing they got going on here, I saw I saw a big documentary about him and his plans, and you can find out more on his website. Um, just the fact that he came forward right. and said. And it, and it goes back to the Ford, you know, what's going on with the big three automakers. They've had technologies for a real long time, but why would they want to tell you about those things if it was, you know, it's all part and parcel, and people need to realize that. They need to realize that some of these technologies have been around for a long time and they kept them on the shelf because they didn't want the cat to get out of the bag because their buddy was selling one of the parts that would be obsolete if they stopped, you know, if they go with the new technology. That's why we got ourselves into this situation. I saw oh, yeah. some 
Go ahead. We, we, could easily, we could easily have cars getting 50, 60 miles per gallon. I mean, you know, we've, we've had that technology for years, but mm-hmm. uh, like you said, they, they're not going to let that get out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't. But now, now they, they, they got their backs up against the wall. And that's kind of the same thing that I'm talking about with truck idling. We already have the technology that these trucks don't need to idle. When I go to the Walmart distribution center, they've got all of this parking set up specifically for the bobtails to sit in front of this little unit for a block heater. Now, people up north are like, yeah, everybody knows that. Well, they don't know that down in California. When I saw that thing, I was like, what is that? That's right. That's like an RV. It's like when you take your RV down to the campground and you plug it in and you got all the power you need for the RV. No, it's not that. It's so that the block doesn't freeze up. Well, right. what about the driver? <laughs> so, right. the, so you got a nice parking spot for the truck and you've got something to keep the engine block warm tonight. What about the driver? How's he going to stay warm? Nobody no. ever thought about that? No, they don't. <laughs> and so I thought it, it, all these all these things are here. When I went through Ohio the other day, Ohio has a great turnpike, and they also have great rest areas. But this one I went through, they have this ocean of beautiful truck parking. They have this like food court with Starbucks and showers and lounges for the truckers. It's beautiful. And then they have an RV area with all these power units for the RVs. And I'm like, now, see, they got a whole area for the RVs to go plug in so they don't idle. And they've got three football fields of parking for the truckers. But how about if they put those units somewhere over there so the truckers didn't have to idle, too? How how much would that help? Yeah, you think? You know, yeah, there's several others. There's several other states too. I mean, up in the Northeast, you know, Connecticut, New Hampshire. I mean, that can be a tough area too, finding parking spaces and things. So, uh, it's, it just it just boils down to, um, you know, they just overlook truckers. That's just the way it's always been. They do. And so when I saw all this money that they're appropriating for infrastructure right now, and I read the and I saw the webcast for the Port of Long Beach, and then the guy at the Port of Long Beach said, "Get a hold of the city of Los Angeles. They're doing the same thing, and they are. They have all these all this stuff is all mapped out. They got all the you know what I mean, and they got the budget hammered out, and they got so they're going to do all of this stuff. And so I kind of just started getting on it. And so on Twitter, I started getting really aggressive and talking about it. And a lot of people from Southern California started listening to me and going, yeah, why didn't we? Because Californians are not bad. They just don't know. I mean, they are really, they're, they're activists. They want to do the right thing, sometimes a little bit too much. But sometimes it, the right. thing seems like the wrong thing until you bring it to their attention and go, no, 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 no. You guys are going bankrupt, and your your industry comes from those farms up there that you never see, and your industry comes out of those ports that we got to drive through, and the traffic makes you get home a little bit, takes a little bit longer to get around our truck. We're 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 making money come to your state, you know. You just so um, trying to 
stop calling everybody names, I guess. And you know, and I, and I see that a lot. It's like, well, they're they're this and they're that. Well, that's not. We're not going to solve anything by that. We're going to. We need to solve it by trying to let them understand what we are doing. And well, now, do you have anything? We're 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 coming down four four minutes remaining. So, Desiree, do you have? Um, uh, I know people can follow you on truck on um, uh, Twitter. Uh, you have any other sites you'd like to give out or anything? Well, the Pickens plan, and ask the trucker. And I suggest any student get the truth about trucking. Get it and listen to it, and listen and listen to it. And that when the when the updates come out, they're all helpful. Thanks, um, um, I listen to mine. You guys provide so much free stuff. I mean, it's just astounding. Plus, just the, the moral support and the feedback. My whole life has changed just knowing somebody cared, and I wanted to give back by letting people know I care too. If you want to write me and ask me anything within reason, I will. I want you to be successful. I just want you to do. If you want to do this job, I want to tell you everything that you need to do to do to be successful at it. And don't let anybody make you feel stupid for asking or ridiculed or intimidated. Where can they uh, write you? Yeah, where, my, where my, my email is truckerdesiree at gmail dot com, and if you find me on Twitter. It's a little confusing to get on there. Just find me. I'm Trucker Desiree, and I help people navigate it because it's a little confusing. It's a, a bit of a corn maze when you get in there, but I'll help you from there, and it's great. There's lots of truckers. It's kind of like the new CB, but without all the bad language, and I yeah. think it's okay. really you can, effective. You, you, you can also find Trucker Desiree, like I said earlier. You can just Google Trucker Desiree. Yeah. And, yeah. and you're going to see all you're going to see all these pages, and you'll see Ask the Trucker, and um, she's just all over the place. So, uh, Desiree, one minute left. I, I appreciate you being on the show. Hopefully, we can do it again sometime, and and yeah. keep those posts because it's really helping a lot of people. Thank you. I'm Desiree. glad. <laughs> Thank you guys. Okay. It's been okay. great. All right. Be, be safe out there. We'll talk to you later. All right. Okay. All right. Bye bye. Bye. Bye bye. Thanks a lot. Bye. So Trucker Desiree, there she is, and like I said, becoming really, really popular. You could just Google her, uh, Trucker truck, uh, Trucker Desiree. You'll see her all over the place. She is on Twitter, uh, and you can just find her. Like I said, she just has pages all over the place. Very becoming very popular in the media. Uh, Landline Magazine, a, a great magazine. Uh, o O I D A. Uh, so um, she she. Does a lot of posting, a lot of comments, helping a lot of people, and we're really honored to have her on the show here. So, I appreciate uh, appreciate you joining us tonight. And uh, check back on Blog Talk Radio, Truth About Trucking, for our next show. And uh, look forward to having you there. And uh, Donna, I uh, uh, enjoyed having you with me tonight. That was fun. Well, thanks. And I just want to tell everybody: just look out for our big launch. Uh, hopefully next week. We've got something really big in store for um for drivers uh something that we're 30 seconds we believe that'll really help them so just keep opening up your mail for all the um 
notifications, and we'll we'll talk to you later. All right. Yeah, we've got a big big news coming out. Uh, we'll be releasing that soon, so keep your eyes and ears open. Uh, pretty amazing. We're real proud of it. So. For Truth About Trucking Life, uh, myself and Donna and Trucker Desiree, uh, drive safe until we see you again. And like always, uh, thanks for listening.